Awesome. Well, welcome out to our third week in a series that we've been in that we have been calling Teach Us to Pray. And if you're uh, just jumping in with us, man, thank you so much for being here. And uh, we're just so excited about this conversation that we've had a chance to be in for the past several weeks. And we really have just been learning a lot about prayer together. So it's been really, really great. And let me just kind of say before we jump in today, too, I want to reiterate something that Seth mentioned just a minute ago. And that is that if you are a guest with us this morning, and so if it's your first time here at the Medina East Campus, we do really just want to extend a very, very special welcome to you. We're so thankful that you're here, uh, that you would carve out some time to be with us. And so we hope uh, that you feel very welcome. We hope you get a chance to uh, pick up that gift that Seth mentioned at the Welcome Center. And if you get a chance to, I'd love to meet you too. And so in the cafe, if you would like to introduce yourself, I'd love to, me or Pastor Seth or anyone on our team, we'd just love to get a chance to get to know you a little bit as you get to know us um, as well. But if you are a guest, um, you, you probably missed the past couple of weeks here. And so uh, let me just kind of catch you up to speed with what it is exactly that we've been sort of talking about together. So in this series, quite simply, what we've been doing is we've actually been looking at what we said is probably the most famous and most popular prayer in the entire Bible, uh, probably the most famous prayer in the world. And that is we've been looking at the Lord's Prayer or the Our Father. It's kind of my guess, it's my assumption that everyone in this room is probably at least vaguely familiar with that prayer. And so maybe you grew up in a tradition where you memorized that prayer. Maybe you uh, grew up in a, in a religion where that's a pray, prayer that you said often. Uh, maybe for you, you didn't grow up in the church, but you're probably still familiar with this prayer. This might be a prayer that you prayed you know, with your football team before the game. Everyone dropped a knee, said the Our Father. Maybe you're at a funeral one time and you've heard this prayer. Maybe you've seen it in movies, those type of things. But it is a very, very popular prayer. My guess is all of us are probably vaguely familiar uh, with this prayer. The reason we've been looking at this prayer together is because we said the context of this prayer in the Bible, it's actually given uh, by Jesus as a model to teach his disciples to pray. And so that's what we've been talking about. We said the Our Father is actually a prayer, is a model of a prayer that Jesus has given to his disciples in an effort to teach them how to pray. And so the reason we're going through this series is we said that maybe as we look at this prayer, that Jesus can also teach us how to pray. Now, maybe we can learn to pray because prayer is one of those things, if we're real honest, there's, there's a lot of questions about it. I think for many of us, we might believe in it. We might think it's an important thing. There's a lot of confusion around this topic. What exactly is happening when I pray and how am I supposed to do that? And so the reason we've been looking at this prayer is really to gain instructions, is to say, man, how are we to do this? How are we to, to pray? And our prayer is, strangely enough, that God would teach us how to pray, that Jesus would use these words to teach us how to pray. So again, what we've been looking at is the Lord's Prayer. And so why don't we, again, as we kind of look at that this morning, why don't we go ahead and, and look at that passage again. And so if you've got your Bibles, why don't you open them with me? And we're going to look again at the Lord's Prayer, and that's going to be found in Matthew chapter 6. So we're going to take a look at this. If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and get them out again and get to Matthew chapter 6. Um, if you have a smartphone or an app and you have a Bible or a smartphone or a device and you want to open up a Bible app, feel free to do that. Just close down Snapchat and uh, Facebook and then open up your Bible app. And I know what you guys look at. I see it all the time. So, so open up your Bible app and get there. Matthew chapter 6 is where we're going to be going. And, uh, and also, let me say, if you didn't bring a Bible with you here this morning, that's not a problem at all. We actually have some Bibles for you in the chairs. Look just like this Bible. And so you can grab that. Turn to page 678, and that's where you'll find Matthew chapter 6. And then one other thing, and that is if you don't own a Bible, if you don't have a copy of God's Word yourself, we think it's real important that you have one. And so you can just go ahead and take one of ours. Okay, make, write your name in that, take it home, read it. We want that to be yours. Okay, so Matthew 6. So what we're going to do is we're going to read the Lord's Prayer again. And then after we're done reading that, we'll go, we'll go back and we'll kind of talk about the focus that we're going to be looking at this morning. Okay, 
So let's start in verse 9. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray. And here's what he says. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Okay, so there it is, very simple prayer. Um, And again, very familiar. Like I said, many of us maybe have grown up kind of memorizing some version of this prayer. And what we said in our introduction week, if you were with us a couple weeks ago, is we said that this prayer was originally given by Jesus not to be a mantra to be memorized. And even though that's the way that many of us might treat this prayer, that was never Jesus' intention. It was never intended to be something that we just mindlessly recite from memory. We said that this is actually given to us by Jesus as a model to teach us how to pray. And so this is a pattern that Jesus wants us to follow. He says, I want you to pattern your prayers after this model. And so, so because of that, what we've been doing in this series is each week we said, we're going to break this thing apart. And phrase by phrase, we're going to look each week at a different phrase and kind of dissect the Lord's Prayer and talk about what does it mean. So, for example, last week, we just looked at the first phrase. We spent the entire week last week just talking about our Father in heaven. We said, what does that mean when we say that, when we call God our Father in heaven? Why is that the beginning place of prayer? What does that tell us about God? What does that tell us about praying? And so we talked about that last week. And so this week, what we want to do, continuing with this series, is we want to move on to the second phrase that we're going to look at together. And the phrase that we want to spend our entire morning looking at together today is this phrase, hallowed be your name. Okay, so we're going to spend the whole time for the next several minutes that we have together, and we're going to look at this phrase together, hallowed be your name. What exactly does it mean when we're praying that, when we're asking God to hallow be your name? Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your name, Because I think the reality is for many of us, we may have prayed this prayer several times in our lives. And yet this is probably a phrase that for some of us, we're not exactly sure what that means. What is it exactly that Jesus is telling us here? And why does he want us to pray this? That's what we want to unpack today for the rest of our time together. So I think as we jump into this, it might only be fitting if we just take a moment before we do that to just ask God and ask him to help us um, as, we, as we kind of jump into this together. So would you join me? We'll talk to God together. As we, uh, as we get a chance to jump into this. So. Well, Father in heaven, it is awesome that we have an opportunity to, uh, to be together and to, it is a privilege to be able for, for us to join together and to look together at these words that you have preserved for us for the last couple thousand years. And God, I'm so thankful that the words of Jesus have been, have been given to us. We have them right here. And so because of that, I pray, Jesus, that today, that you would use these words to teach us to pray. Would you do that? Would you show us? Would you teach us? Help us to understand what it means to hollow your name. God, I pray that today that this would make sense in a way it's never made sense before for some of us. And Lord, we, we pray that you would teach us. We, we're not here to hear from a person or hear opinions of man. We're here to, to learn from you. And so we, 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 we ask you that you would do that. In these moments, these, these few moments that we have together, God, we pray that you, would, that you would not only cause these few moments to change the way we pray, we pray that you would cause these moments to change the way we live. And, uh, and so we, we ask for that and we, we, we anticipate that. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. So Jesus says, when you pray, telling his disciples, I'm gonna teach you how to pray. He says, pray this way, Father in heaven, we talked about that. And then he says, hallowed be 
your name. Now, um, this is one of those things, I think because the word hallowed is one that's not used in common vernacular, there's a lot of ambiguity. Like, think about it. When is the last time you used the word hallowed in a sentence, right? Probably, I don't know, probably last time you talked about this prayer is the only time you really use that term. It's not a term we use very frequently. And so I think because this is a term that's really, that's really kind of distant from our con- common day language, there can be a lot of confusion around this. In fact, I remember talking to uh, someone a while ago and they told me, they said, my entire childhood, I was under the impression that God's name was Howard. They said, because we would, we would pray this, right? It makes sense. They said, we would pray this. We'd pray, our Father who art in heaven, Howard be your name. He's like, so I don't know. I, I thought God was Howie. I don't you know. I'm sorry. And I was like, well, that makes sense though, doesn't it? Because when else in life do you ever use a word like this, like hallowed, right? And so because of that, I think there's gonna be a lot of confusion around this topic of what does it mean to hollow a name? And, uh, and so because of that, here, here's what I wanna try to do with the rest of our time. I wanna just answer three questions. I wanna try, I wanna attempt to answer three questions with our time. So let me just tell you the three questions that I'm hoping to answer, and then we'll just go through them one by one. So here's the questions I wanna try to answer. Number one, what does it mean when we pray, hallowed be your name? So just quite simply, what does that mean? Okay, number two, um, why would we pray, hallowed be your name? So why? Okay, and then the third question, how exactly is God's name hallowed? How does that happen? So real simple, three questions, what, why, and how, as it relates to hallowed. What are we actually asking for? Why would we ask for that? And then how is that actually accomplished? What are we asking God to do? And hopefully that'll add some clarity around this. So let's just start with the first question. Here's the first question. What does it mean to pray, hallowed be your name? What exactly are we talking about? It's interesting, if you look at what Jesus says, again, look at Matthew chapter six. Here's what Jesus says. He says, this then is how you should pray, our Father in heaven, and then here's the word, hallowed, be your name. Well, let's just start there because like I said, this word is a word we don't use very often. Uh, the word hallowed is actually an old English word and uh, it actually comes from a Greek word and originally in the original language, here's what the Greek word means. The Greek word means to make holy, it means to sanctify, or it means to set apart, all right? It means to make holy, it means to sanctify, or it means to set something apart to which some of you might be thinking, not helpful. You're, you're defining a term I don't understand with other terms I don't understand, right? So holy and sanctified, like what does that exactly mean? And so let, let me try to help with this because I've been spending a lot of time this week just trying to get my mind around what exactly is this hallowed thing mean? I think that understanding this idea of holy or set apart will really add a lot of clarity. So when I think about the, this idea of hallowing something, the, the picture that kept coming to my mind was something that my family and I do every year. So my family and I, I, my wife and and our three kids, every summer we have uh, this awesome opportunity to go on vacation up in uh, in northern Michigan. And so we're we're really privileged in that Jessica's family, um, they own a cottage uh, and they own some property up in the Sleeping Bear Dune National Forest region. If you guys have never been up to northern Michigan to to just spend any time up there, it is unbelievable. It is beautiful. I mean, it is one of the best kept secrets. The, the, um, The water, it looks like the Caribbean. I mean, it is just gorgeous, and the skies are blue, and it's just beautiful. So every year, we get a chance to go up there, and my family loves it. We all look forward to it, and there's activities we all like to do together, so we love the sand dunes. We love doing that. We love, my kids love rolling down the hill, and I love watching them do that. We love going to the beach and and spending days there, but unanimously, there's one activity my family likes to do, all of us, more than any other, and that is this. We like to look for Petoskey stones. Just out of curiosity, does anyone know what that is, what a Petoskey? Okay, a few of you guys do. If you don't know what a Petoskey stone is, um, up in Lake Michigan, there is a very rare stone, 
and there's a very precious stone that can only be found in certain parts of Lake Michigan called the Petoskey Stone. It's this beautiful rock, and it has this, uh, this, this kind of fossilized pattern on it that's only visible when it's wet. In fact, I'll show you a picture of what these Petoskey Stones look like. They're just gorgeous. And like I said, they're really valuable. And so if you find one, it's the right size and it has the right pattern. You can actually get some money for these things because they're just so, they're so cool. And so this is something that many tourists do when they go up there is they look for these Petoskey stones. And so my family, like I said, unanimously, we all love doing this. Even my boys who have like no attention span, we will spend hours scouring the beach looking for these rocks. In fact, I have come home from vacation before with my back completely tan and my front still white because my back is to the sun while I'm looking for these stones. And so we will scour the beach. If you've ever been up on, on, on the, the shore of Lake Michigan, you know that it is, it is literally just nothing but rocks. It's just pebbles as far as the eye can see, stones and millions and trillions of these things. And so we're walk, our family will walk up and down the beach and we'll be shuffling through these stones looking for these Petoskeys. And then when you find one, when you see one, it's almost like something in, in, inside, of your, you, inside of you just gets real, real, because you're like, I found one. And, and, and what you do immediately, what you do is you bend down as fast as you can and you grab it because you don't want the waves to take it. So you grab it and listen, listen, you set it apart. You say, you say, ah, this one. There are literally billions of stones around me, but this one is set apart. This one is precious. This one is valuable. You cling on to it real, real hard. And then what we do as a family is we say, I found one. And we tell everyone, I found one. And then everyone in the family runs over and says, let me see, let me see. And they open their hand and we all look at the Petoskey and we all praise it. We say, wow, that's a really good one. Look at the pattern. That is awesome. And then what do we do? You protect it. We say, man, you put that in your pocket. You don't, you don't skip a Petoskey. Are you crazy? You put that in your pocket. You hold on to it. You, you, don't, you don't mess around when you've got a Petoskey, right? You make sure that when, 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 when we leave here, that is a valuable stone. And so you set it apart. It is supremely valuable above all other stones. It is what you treasure the most. It is what you protect. It is what you praise, right? So, so, so when Jesus says, when you pray, I want you to pray hallowed. Here's what he means. He's saying that, that this is what you value, what you treasure, which you praise above all other things. It's set apart. Now notice what he says, though. He says, I want you to pray, hallowed, and look at the second part. He says, hallowed be your name. Some of you are like, what exactly is behind this whole name thing? Like, What does that mean exactly? Well, quite simply, I think all of us understand that when we say a person's name, that we're talking about way more than just a collection of syllables and letters, right? We're not just talking about the title of somebody. A, A person's name, your name, my name carries the full freight of my personhood, right? When you say my name or when I say your name, my personhood is so intimately woven into my name that when, I, when you say it, everything about me is assumed. We, we all understand this. So, so if I say a person's name, I'm not just saying a collection of syllables and phrases and words. What I'm actually doing is I'm calling up that whole person to you. Right? And, so, and so for better or for worse, it's going to evoke thoughts of character and thoughts of ideologies and thoughts of personality and thoughts of personhood. So for example, if I was just to, to mention a couple names to you, if I was to say the name Osama bin Laden, right, that is not just a collection of letters. And that's not just a collection. Of, you, you know what I'm talking about. That, that carries the freight of a person. 
And there are ideologies and there are character traits and characteristics that are attached to that name. If I said the name Martin Luther King Jr., who we just celebrated this past week, there are ideologies, there's character, there's personality. That, that, that name carries the freight of a person with it. And this is true with any name, right? If I said the name LeBron James, if I said the name Pastor Seth, who was up here a minute ago, that's going to evoke certain things. I saw some of you chuckle when I said Pastor Seth. I don't know why. It, it evokes certain things in you, right? If I said, you know, any name, if I said Gaga, you know, Fergie, there's like, there, there's stuff that goes along with those names that, that, that carries it. This is why, for those of us who are parents, you remember when you were naming your kids, that there were certain names you couldn't use, not because there was something wrong with the name, but because someone in the past has tainted that name for you. You know what I'm talking about? This is why you're like, oh, we should name him Spencer. And you're like, I can't name him Spencer. I knew Spencer in third grade. He used to eat glue. He smelled weird. He's ruined the name for me. Can't do it, right? Why is that? Because we're not just talking. There's nothing wrong with that, with that grouping of letters or syllables. It's like that name carries something with it. So what is it that we're actually asking then when we say, God, hallowed be your name? Here's what we're saying. We're saying, God, we want your character, your reputation, your personhood. We want that to be so supremely valued that it is the most precious, most valuable thing. We want you to be made awesome. That's what we want. That's what we're praying for. God, in my life, I want you to be the most valuable, most precious, most praised thing above all other things. God, in our church, we want you to be the most precious the most set apart, the most valuable thing to us. That's what we're asking God in our world, in Medina and the neighboring communities, in our nation, even in the midst of the turbulence that we're seeing right now, God, we want your name to be made awesome, valued above all other things. So what is it that we're praying when we're saying, God, hallowed be your name? Well, that's what we're, that's what we're praying. But that leads to the second question. I think it's an important question, and that's this. So Why? Why would we pray that God's name be hallowed? Why would we pray that? Because, listen, I don't think it's enough that we just understand what, that, that we should pray this. I think it's important that we understand why it is that we should pray this. So why, why does Jesus look at us and say, you want to learn how to pray? Here's how I want you to pray. Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Why does he want us to pray that way? Well, I think there's a couple reasons. Here's the first one. The first reason I think why we pray this is because um, one thing that I believe is true about every person in this room whether you know it or not, whether you, would, whether you recognize it or not, whether you're religious or not. And so you might be a person that says, I'm not, I'm not even sure if I'm a Christian, I'm investigating God, I'm investigating Jesus. And by the way, if that's you, let me just say, we, we say this every week, we count, uh, we count it a privilege that you would let us be part of your investigation. I mean, you could do anything you want with your Sunday morning, and the fact that you're here, we, we, we view that as a high, high privilege. And so thank you for letting us be part of that. But listen, whether, whether you know it or not, whether you're aware of it or not, whether you're a Christian or not, or you're religious or not, one thing that I know about every person in this room, and that is this, is that we all hollow something. Everyone in this room hollows something. And so the question is not, do you hollow or don't you hollow? The question is, what do you hollow, right? Because if, if, to, hollow, if to hollow something means that this is what I view as supremely valuable, this is the thing that I desire to possess more than anything else. This is the thing that I seek after and I search for. And I believe that if I obtain this, that this is, this is what everything in life is all about. And this is most precious to me. And everything else I can sacrifice if I just have this one thing. All of us have that. And whether you know it or not or you're aware of it, you hollow something. There is something that sits in the seat of hollowedness in your heart. There is. And it can be a million, it can be a myriad of things. 
It could be wealth. It could be success. It can be pleasure. It can be relationships. It can be sexuality. It can be your kids. It can be, I mean, you can fill it in. It can be the approval of a certain group of people that, man, if I just had that, if I just possessed that, then I would have what is most valuable to me. That is what I believe would make life most, most fulfilling to me, is if I had that, we all have that. The question I want to ask you is, what is that for you? What is it that you truly have? Now, some of you are like, I, th- I think I know what you're talking about, but I'm not really sure what you mean. So just for the sake of clarity, let me just real quick, I want to give you three questions that you can ask yourself to identify what you hallow. Okay, so just three quick questions. I'll put them up here on the screen. And you can just ask yourself, and this is to help you identify, what is it that you truly hallow? Okay, so here's, here's the first question. Ask yourself this, and be honest with yourself. This is just between you and, and God or between, you know, in your own heart. First question, what do I believe makes me the most valuable or gives me the most worth? Okay, simple question. What is it that I believe makes me worth something to myself and to others? What is it that, that I think, does, what is it that I think uh, makes me valuable to others? And so like I said, it could be a lot of things. Maybe for you it's, it's, it's wealth. And you're like, because I have wealth or if I had wealth, that would make me worth something in the eyes of other people. That would make me, that would make me worth something to myself. And if I didn't have those things, I would feel worth less. I would, feel, I would feel like I was not valuable, right? It could be a lot of different things. For some of us, maybe it's success. Like, I've always been the successful one. And, if, and because I'm so wrapped up in my, in, in my success, if I were to fail or if I was to lose my career or whatever it is that I'm successful at, I would lose my identity. Like, like I am so wrapped up in that, that that's where I find my value, that's where I find my worth, that that's the thing that I think makes me valuable to other people. It could be a million things. Maybe for you, Maybe you're always the funny one, or maybe you're always the attractive one. And, and for you, you value those things so much that if you were to lose that, if you were to lose your beauty, if you were to lose your looks, if you were to lose your personality in some way, if you were to lose your humor, to you, that would, that would cause you to, to have an identity crisis. Because you'd be like, I, I, I don't know, this is, what I val- this is what sets me apart. This is what gives me worth and value. This is what I, 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 I want to possess more than any, anything because I believe that it will give me uh, fulfillment in this life. That, that is what you hollow. That's what you hollow. And so how do you know what you hollow? I think that's one way to figure out. Here's the second question to ask yourself. Number two, what gets the priority of my time and my money and my attention? What gets priority of my time and my money and my attention? Right? And so in other words, when I, when I have some extra time or extra money or extra bandwidth to think about something, what do I naturally, what am I inclined to go to with those things? Where's, where does the ball, what do I sacrifice everything to make sure I have? You're like, I don't, I don't always have money for other things, but I always make sure I have money for this. I don't always have time for other things, but I will lose sleep and I will cut out on other things to make sure that this happens. You know, I don't always have a lot of mental real estate, but I will make sure that I'm thinking about, that, what is that for you? Because I think this is an important question, by the way, because I believe that it's very easy for us, and I'm guilty of this too, it's easy for us to say that we value something but our time and our money and our attention speak something differently. See, these things don't lie. They will tell you what it is that you truly set apart and view as valuable. Right? Third question. What do I worry about or what do I pray about the most? And you want to know what it is that you truly hallow? I think one of the ways you can figure that out is to ask this question. What do I, what do I worry about the most? What do I find myself 
worry. So for example, you're like, man, I'm just so worried all the time about my kids and I'm worried about their safety and I'm worried about them getting abducted by aliens. And I'm worried about their, their you know, I'm gonna make sure they wear their helmets and, and, their, and their, you know, their harness and their, you know, their protective whatever. You know, I'm worried, I'm worried, I'm worried. I wanna make sure we have the best minivan that has all the five star ratings and all that kind of thing. I'm worried, I'm worried. Well, well that's a good indication uh, it, it reveals to you partially what it is that you hollow, what it is that you view as most valuable. And this one too, and for some of you, this might sound paradoxical. What do I pray for the most? What is it that I pray for the most? So some of you are like, well, wait a minute, I thought I was supposed to pray about things. And you are supposed to pray about things. But some of you might know this. If you're a praying person, there is something really tricky that can happen in prayer. And that's this. Sometimes we can come to God not not asking God to hollow his name, but asking God to give us that which we hollow the most. Does it make sense? So let me, let me try to maybe, maybe try to give an illustration. So I want, you, I want you just to, if you're a praying person, right, if you pay attention to how you pray, sometimes it can reveal to you the thing that you hollow the most. So for example, if you find that the only time you pray, that the time that you frequent prayer the most is, is when, as it relates to the advancement of your career, if you're like, you know, I noticed every time I pray, it's always about, God, please help me seal this deal. God, please help me to, you know, help me to, to get this promotion. God, please help my business to do well. God, please help me get accepted into this firm. God, please, you know, whatever. And, and you notice that that's what you pray about the most. I think that that can be revealing that what it is that you're doing is you're not coming to God to ask him to hollow his name. You're coming to God to ask him to give you that which you hollow. You're actually using God to try to, to try to get your functional God, right? And so sometimes this is a way to indicate what's actually happening in our hearts. So here's what Jesus says. Jesus says, when you pray to his disciples, and for those of us who follow Jesus, that would be us too. He says, when you pray, I want you to pray this. Hallowed be your name, God. Hallowed be your name. Now again, why would Jesus want us to pray this? Well, because, like I said, we all hollow something. But I believe the reason that Jesus wants us to pray this is because he knows that God is objectively, not subjectively, God is objectively the only one who is qualified and who is worthy to be hallowed. That there is nothing else in this life that is qualified or is worth hallowing. Let me me say it another way. If you and I take anything else and we elevate that in value or in worthiness and we hallow that above God, we are setting ourselves up for a life of frustration and confusion and disillusionment. And we're setting ourselves up for a life in, in which we, we, we will never be fully fulfilled and we will never experience the joy that God intends. Why? Because there is nothing in creation that is qualified to be hollowed above God. God is uniquely and objectively the only one who is worthy and qualified to fill that place in our heart of hallowing. That, I think this is why he wants us to pray this. Objectively, this is why the Bible says, uh, like in Psalm 145, he says, great are you, Lord. You are the most worthy to be praised. You're not among other things that are worthy to be praised. No, you're the most worthy, objectively. You are objectively the greatest thing. And so when we pray this, I think that's why Jesus asks us to pray this way, hallowed be your name. Now, that might sound kind of abstract. So let's think about it this way for a minute. So one of the things that Grace Church, if you guys aren't familiar with Grace Church, we actually have several campuses around the greater Akron area, and then we have a campus down um, in Atlanta, Georgia as well. And so we partner with several missionaries through our different campuses. 
And one of the missionaries that we support, that we partner with, is a, is a Haitian couple that's down in Haiti. And, uh, and they are, where they're located in Haiti is just a really, 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 uh, it's a really sad situation. It's a deeply impoverished, uh, malnutrition and starvation are big issues. It's just, it's, it's, it's horrendous in the situation they're in. So these missionaries, they were here a couple years ago, and we were talking to them about their work down there. And they were explaining the heartbreaking situation about what's happening and the, and the, impo- the poverty and, the, and the, the starvation and the malnutrition. And they had said that they came across information, many missionaries are doing this, by the way, of this tree. So there's this tree. And they said, we've been encouraging the Haitians to plant this tree. And they started telling me about this tree. And I was like, that is the best tree I've ever heard of in my life. And I just gotta, I gotta just tell you about this tree. Okay, this is called, it's called the Moringa tree. So get this. This is a tree that grows 10 feet a year and it thrives in arid conditions. So it happens to thrive in places like Haiti. The leaves are edible and get this, the leaves contain more protein than an egg, three times more iron than spinach, seven times more vitamin C than oranges, four times more vitamin A than carrots, four times more calcium than milk, three times more potassium than a banana, And on top of all of that, get this, the oil can be extracted and used for fuel, and the seeds can be ground up and can be used to purify water. And I heard this, and I was like, that is a great tree, (laughs) right? That's a great tree, right? The, 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 The missionaries actually call this the tree of life. And so they're coming down to these Haitians and they're saying, listen, I know you're in an impoverished situation. I know you're, there's malnutrition and starvation and this tree will save your life. And what they said I thought was so fascinating. They said that they were having the hardest time getting the Haitians to plant these trees. And the Haitians would say, we don't want your trees. We don't want your trees. We don't want your trees. And when they pressed them on it, they'd say, why don't you want our trees? And they would say, because the witch doctors and the government, the, go- the authorities and the government tell us that these are bad trees. And so what the missionaries were having to do is they were having to find themselves, sit down with these people and try to convince them, no, this is a good tree. Objectively, this is a good tree and you need this. You need this. Listen, you need this to live. You need this to save your children. You need this tree. This is a good tree. This isn't a subjective thing. It's not like, well, the tree is good for some people and it's not good for other people. No, this is an objective reality. You need this. And so the missionaries said, we we found ourselves trying to, to spend time to awaken these people to reality. The reality is that you need this thing. So so listen, when when we come to, to God and we say, God, hallowed be your name, why is it that we would pray that? Because listen, objectively, objectively, God is the only one who is worthy to sit in the seat of hollowedness in our lives. And, and we will always, and, and if that is not the case, if anything else sits in the seat of the most valued and most treasured thing to us, we are setting ourselves up to be spiritually malnourished. We will starve spiritually because none of those things can satisfy the way that God uniquely can. Do you guys know that the Bible tells us this? The Bible says that everything in all creation, everything, us included, was designed and was created by God to hallow his name. Do you know that? Everything in all creation is singing this song, hallowed be your name, hallowed be your name. Let me just show you a couple examples of what I'm talking about. Uh, in, Psalm, uh, in Psalm 19, the psalmist is writing about, the, about, the, about the, the heavens, about the universe, and I want you to notice what he says. Check this out. He says, the heavens, that is the universe, he says, declare the glory of God. 
The heavens, he says, it's declaring, it's saying, hallowed be your name. It's declaring God to be glorified and to be valued. Look what he says. He says, the skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They don't use words. No sound is heard from them, yet their voice goes out into all creation. Their words to the end of the world. You see what the psalmist says? This is so good. The psalmist says, listen, when you go outside and you see the sun, when you go outside at nighttime and you see the stars, when you look at the Hubble telescope images of the billions of galaxies that are in the known universe, he says, that is all saying something. He's like, it's not using words, but it's pouring forth speech. It's communicating. And what is it all saying? What is all of this saying? It's saying, there is a God. There is a God. And he, and he, and he must be really powerful because the universe is really big. And he must be really smart because all of this stuff works together in perfect harmony, in perfect balance. And he must be really creative because, let's face it, there is some weird stuff out there. Black holes and all that kind of it's crazy. And, and so all of this is shouting to us, hallowed be his name, hallowed be his name. When you look at the intricacies of creation, when you look at the intricacies of our own human bodies, when you look into the eyes of a baby, all of this is shouting, shouting, shouting. There is a God, there is a God, there is a God. Hallowed be his name. He is uniquely to be praised and worshiped. And you guys, not just, not just creation. You know, the Bible says that the angels are doing this. Do you know that? That the angels in heaven are hallowing God's name. One of my favorite passages is in Isaiah chapter 6. We've actually looked at this together as a campus. It was such a good passage. Check this out. Isaiah chapter 6, the Bible says that this guy Isaiah had, had a unique opportunity to get a window into the throne room of God. And look at this. He says, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on the throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. He says, above him were seraphim. Seraphim are a certain type of angel. The Bible says it's a certain type of angel that, that only exists in the presence of God. And so it says there was these seraphim. They each had six wings. Talk about trippy, right? It says with two of them, they covered their face. With two of them, the Bible says they covered their feet. And with two of them, they were flying. So you've got these angels surrounding the throne of God. And the Bible says, man, they're covering their face and they're covering their feet and they're just flying. Check this out. The Bible says that they were all crying out to each other, calling out. Look, notice what they were saying. Holy, holy, holy. What is that? Hollowed, hollowed, hollowed. That's what they're saying. Sanctified, sanctified, set apart, set apart. Most valuable. This is what they're saying. And they're saying, is what? Is the Lord God Almighty. Hallowed is his name. Hallowed is his name. So listen, all of creation is singing this song. Everything in creation is designed to say, hallowed be your name. And so why would we say, hallowed be your name? Here's why. Because when we do that, we're saying, God, tune our hearts to the reality of the universe. You are objectively the only one who's worth hallowing. And what we're doing is we're saying, God, would you dethrone the things in our life that we elevate as superior to you? And would you cause us to, because anytime we put something in the place of God and we hollow it above God, we are out of tune with the rest of creation. So the Bible says, why would we, why would we do this? Because all of creation is singing this song, hallowed be your name. So what does it mean to say hallowed be your name? We talked about that. Why would we say hallowed be your name? kind of discuss that. Hopefully that clarifies some for us. 
Here's the last one, last question, and probably the most practical of them all. So how exactly does this happen? How is God's name hallowed? How do you hallow a name, right? How does that happen? So something real fascinating I came across this week. For some of you, this is going to sound totally dorky, and, and that's okay, because it's, it's just, I thought this was so helpful. I was uh, looking in a few different commentaries, and there was one guy I came across in particular, and he said something I thought was so helpful. And what he said was this, is he said, a lot of times when we read this phrase, hallowed be your name, we tend to think that it's like a declaration, that we're making like a declaration about, about God. We're saying God's name is, you know, yeah, you know, God, your name is hallowed. Like, yeah, you know, our Father in heaven, you're, you're awesome. You're great. And he said, but that's actually not what this is saying. This is actually not a declaration. This is, instead, this is us, um, this is us petitioning God. We're asking God to do something. So, so this is the way the commentator put it. He put it this way. He said, these are not declarations or acclamations when we say, hallowed be your name. These are requests. In fact, they're a very rare kind of request. They're what's called the third person imperative, which means that this is something, listen, that we're asking God to do. This is a soft commandment that we're giving to God. So here's what he says. He says, when, we, when we're praying, God, hallowed be your name, we're not making a declaration about God. We are asking him to do something. We are saying, God, would you hollow your name? Please hollow your name. Which for some of us, we're like, well, that's confusing because like how exactly is God gonna do that? God is already supremely perfect and already supremely holy. So are we asking him to be like more perfect and like more holy? Is that what we're asking him to do? And, and that might be confusing, but I think there's a couple of verses that are actually really helpful. Let me show you a couple of them that I think are gonna help us clarify. One of them is in Leviticus 22. Let me just show you this. Leviticus 22, here's what God says to his people, his people, the Israelites, who are called by his name. Here's what he says. He says, you shall keep my commandments and do them. I am the Lord. And you shall not profane my holy name, that I might be sanctified or hallowed among the people of Israel. You see what God just said right there? He said, listen, to my people who are called according to my name, he said, I, I want you, I'm giving you these commandments and I want you to live according to these commandments so that you will hollow my name. Notice what he says. He says, if you don't obey my commandments, you will what? You will profane my name. You will profane my name. So how do we hollow a name? Well, I think there's a hint here. Let me give you one other passage. We won't, we won't look at it for time's sake, but let me just allude to it. In Numbers chapter 20, the Bible says that there's this really weird situation where God comes to Moses. If you guys don't know who Moses is, Moses was a, a spokesperson. He spoke on, on behalf of God. And the Bible says, God came to Moses and he said, my people need water. He said, so I want you to go to this rock. And he said, I want you to speak to the people and then I'm gonna cause water to come from the rock and everyone can drink. And so Moses said, fine. And he went down and the Bible says that Moses kinda did what God said, but not exactly. And so the Bible says that Moses started yelling at the people and he started beating on the rock and then water came out. And then Moses was like, there's your water, people. And God came to Moses and he said, Moses, he said, you failed to hollow my name. In other words, you misrepresented me. You didn't do the thing I, I, I said, and you, you represent me. So what is it that we're actually asking God to do when we're asking him to hollow his name? Well, I think what we're doing is we're asking two things. Here's the first thing. I think what we're asking God to do is we're saying, God, I am inviting you, and I am asking for your help, that you would embolden me and that you will use me to represent you well. I think this is what we're doing. I think we're saying, God, I want you to use me, hollow your name, make you, your reputation, 
Make your reputation awesome. I want to make you look good, God. That's what we're praying. So what does it look like to pray this? Maybe it looks like this. Maybe before you go into work one day, you know you're about to go into work, and maybe you're a follower of Jesus. I know not everyone is a follower of Jesus. But people know that, you're, that you are associated with his name. And so before you go in, you say, God, hallowed be your name. I am asking you and I am, I am pleading with you that you would help me, that when I walk in here, that I would not bring disrepute to your name. I don't, I don't want to misrepresent your love. I don't want to misrepresent your, your, your character. I don't want to misrepresent you. I want you to look awesome. And so I pray that when I come in here, that through my life and through the way that I, I, I live, that I would live in accordance with the way that you want so that your name and your reputation would be made great. That's what I'm praying for. I think that's what it means. I think what it means is, man, before, God, before, before I walk into my family room and my family knows that I follow you and that I was at church today and, they, and some of them make fun of me for it. Oh, you're Jesus People USA now and... And so, God, and I, they get on my nerves, and, and they bother me sometimes, and sometimes I do things. God, so would you hollow your name? Before I walk in my family room, would you use, God, would you use me to make your name look awesome? I don't want to bring disrepute to your name. I don't want people to have a bad picture of who you are because of me. God, I'm asking you to use me. Hollow your name through me. Let me represent you. Well, that's what we're asking. I think we're saying, God, before I go on this date, before I get in this car with this girl, before I get in this car with this guy, in the next several hours, God, would you hollow your name? I want, your reputation is on the line here. I want to represent you well. I want you to look awesome. I don't want to do anything that would bring shame to you. I don't want to do that because your reputation is on the line. I think that's what we're praying. I think we're saying, God, before I walk into the DMV, oh, dear Jesus, I need you, right? Help me to, to act in a way that is in accordance in such a way that I will hollow your name. That's what we're asking God to do. God, before I interact in this business deal, I don't want to do anything unethical that would cause disrepute to your name. Hollow your name through. I'm asking you, because I can't do this on my own. I'm asking you to do that. That's what we're saying. In the midst of my trial, in the midst of my disease, in the midst of what I'm walking through, God, hallowed be your name. I think that's what we're asking God when we say, hallowed be your name. But there's another thing, too. And the second thing is this. I think we're asking God to do this in us. And I think we're asking God to do this in others. I think we're saying, God, would you act in such a way that would let people know who you really are? And when we look into our world, there are so many people who don't take the name of God very seriously. And there, there are some people who, the name of Jesus is a joke. Or, or it's something that's taken lightly. And we're saying, God, we, we, don't, want, we don't want your name to be treated that way. We want you to be seen as supremely awesome as you are. It's fascinating. This past week, I was thinking about this idea of hollowing a name, and I just, the story kept coming to my mind, and um, I was thinking about this friend of mine. I have a friend, and we grew up kind of going to high school together, and all, all through high school, we were buddies, and uh, he's a really unique guy, just a really, really talented individual, and he, when he was in high school, he started a charitable organization to raise money to help uh, families with kids with cancer. And so he, as a young man himself, he, he had like a scare with cancer, and he got through that. And so after he got through that whole period of his time, he was, he was so compassionate towards people in that circumstance that he actually started an organization, a charitable organization, to try to raise money for families in that situation. It's awesome. And this organization actually grew pretty big. And so uh, they would have these big events, and like these big corporations and these big sporting teams, and even celebrities sometimes would donate things and money to help with this. And so... 
never forget this one time, me and my friend were hanging out, and after we were done hanging out, we went to his house. And so he lived with his parents, and, and his grandma also lived with him at the time. And his grandma was just the sweetest lady. She was just, she, she was so much fun. She, she always wanted to talk with us, and she always wanted to, to hang out, and, and she was just so much fun. We lo- absolutely loved her. And so I remember we were sitting down, and we were talking with his grandma, and at one point, she said, she said oh, to my friend, she said, hey, oh, I forgot. Someone called for you earlier. And so I, I, got a, I have a message I, that I want to, you know, that, that they left. And he was like, okay. And so he went over, she went over to the phone, like by the phone, there's like a post-it note or something. And she started reading it all. She's like, yeah, so there was a man who called earlier and he was asking about possibly um, giving a donation to your charity. And he had some questions about the organization. And my buddy's like, okay, you know, it's a pretty standard call. She's like, yeah, and he said this, this, and this. And then she said, and his name, um, his name was Brad Pitt. <laughs> and, me, and me and my buddy were like, wait a minute, what? And she was like, someone called asking a question about a charitable organization. And we're like, no, 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 no. My buddy's like, Grandma. He's like, what was his name again? And she's like, uh, it was, uh, Brad Pitt. Yeah, his name was Brad Pitt. And my buddy was like, Grandma? He's like, Brad Pitt called here? And she's like, uh, yeah, did you know him? And, and he was like, Grandma! He's like, Brad Pitt, do you not know who Brad Pitt is? And she's like, I don't think I know who that, who, who you're talking about. He's like, Grandma, Brad Pitt is a really famous actor. Like, he's like a Hollywood, like, like a big-time Hollywood star. And she was like, well, that's nice. And, and we were like, no. And, and so my buddy's like, Grandma, you don't understand, all right? Brad Pitt's like a really, really big deal. And so, like, we, we're trying to talk to her about who Brad Pitt is. We're like, he made all these movies. Like, have you seen Meet Joe Black? Have you seen, you know, Ocean's Eleven? Like, that's Brad Pitt. She's like, I don't think I've ever seen those movies before. We're like, Grandma, it's Brad Pitt, you know? We get onto Google. We, like, get a picture of Brad Pitt. We're like, this is Brad Pitt. She's like, he doesn't look familiar. He's attractive, but he doesn't look familiar, you know? And we're like, Grandma, this is Brad Pitt. And, and so we're like, did you get his, did you get his information? Did you, can we call him back? And, and she was like, no, I just told him to call back another time. You guys were out doing something. And my buddy was like, Grandma! It's Brad Pitt! You know? And, and we probably spent 20 minutes just trying to help her understand the gravity of who it was that she had just talked to on the phone, right? And, uh, and, and here's the thing, you guys. When we pray, hallowed be your name, I think what we're saying is we're saying, God, we want the world to know who they're dealing with. And we want people to know that, man, we're, when we're, you know, there's people that are like, oh, Jesus, you know, Jesus, that's, he's, he's great. He's good for you. If it's good for you, it's good for you. If it's good for me, it's good for me. You know, that's great. We're saying, no, you don't know what you're talking about. We're not talking about some preference, some preference you know, if, eh, whatever, you could just choose. Your, we're talking about objectively the most powerful and greatest, most worthy thing to be hollowed in the universe. That's what we're talking about here. People say, oh, Jesus, well, you know, yeah, you know, isn't, wasn't he a good teacher, taught pacifism, relatively weak dude? No, man, no, you don't know him. Jesus we're talking about is the Lord of Lords. He's the King of Kings. He's the one by which all things in the universe hold together. That's who we're talking about here. And I think when we're saying, God, hallow your name, we're saying, God, act in such a way that people know who you really are, how awesome you are. Use us to do that. Use our church to do that. But God, act in such a way that people are awakened to the reality of who you are. That's what we're asking God to do. Hallowed be your name. I just thought I'd mention one other thing because I had like 40 people ask me this, by the way. Brad Pitt never called back. And, uh, but he donated. He did donate. So apparently he's a very generous guy. So that's, that's an important thing to say. 
But when we pray, hallowed be your name, what is it that we're asking? I think what we're saying is we're saying, God, you are the most supremely valuable thing, and we want you to be treated as such. And we want your name to be made great in our community. We love you, and we want other people to love you too. And that's what we're praying. Let's pray together. Well, God, hallowed be your name. Your, your name is great. Your reputation, your character, who you are, your personhood is great. It is great. Objectively, the greatest, the most worthy of praise. But Father, you're not treated that way sometimes, not by us and not by others. We don't live according to the hollowedness of your name, and we should. And the truth is, Lord, that when you're asking us to pray this, you're tuning our hearts to reality. This is the reality of the whole universe, and all that you've created is designed to hollow your name. And when, when we hollow anything else above that, man, God, we, we, are, we are out of tune, and we are, we are setting ourselves up for frustration and disillusionment because nothing is nothing in, in all of creation is qualified to occupy that space of our heart. Only you are. So, Father, help us to see that. Help us to see you're the only one that really truly satisfies. And you alone are the only one who, who should be worshipped. Because everything else is created and you're the only creator, that uniquely places you in a category all of your own. And so you're to be treated in such a way. And how, how magnificent it is that even though this is true about you, we still get to call you dad. It's just mind-blowing. And so we come to you as Father, and we also come to you as Creator, as our Father in Heaven. And we pray that your name will be hallowed in our lives. For those of us who follow you, use us to bring glory to your name. Use us as a church to bring glory to your name. I pray that you would use this community, Lord. In our community, you want to see people say, hallowed be your name. Father, in our world, as we watch the, the news and as we see the rioting and the fighting and the, it's heartbreaking. Lord, we pray that your name would be hallowed in our world, God, most valued. That's what we're asking for in our lives and our hearts. We want to lift these things up to you in the name of Christ for the hallowing of his name.